Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com, use code MEATEATER, for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best-tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. Phil, we're going to see you. Are you, you're coming too? Turn the podcast oh, machine damn on. damn it. <laughs> Turn the podcast machine on, Phil. It's on. All right, first things first here, Phil. Uh-huh. Uh, this morning, my wife was buying tickets for the whole family. Black Panther 2? No. Oh. For the whole family to go see you in, uh, what's it called? A Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, I'm not Scrooge. But no, I got you. He, he's in the play. Yes, <laughs> it's great. What what is you? Who are you in there? A uh, couple guys. I play a guy who takes out a predatory loan with Scrooge. Gets really, really screwed over. And then a guy who robs. I don't remember, his... I don't remember that part. Yeah, I, it, it's it's in the book. I don't think it's in oh. like any of the movies. You ever seen the Muppets version? Oh yeah, with Mike, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, where he forgets to act a lot of the times. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, the, the Muppets will start singing and he forgets he, I know. he looks like he's lost he seems so baffled by these puppets around him singing yeah he like totally stops acting for whole songs yeah it's charming I love it uh, I didn't like that version oh okay so you, you play that either. then you come back out and do what now uh, the the ghost of Christmas future comes you are well no oh. I, I'm not the ghost but he comes and shows like what's gonna happen to Scrooge after he dies sure and, I, and I'm, I'm robbing his house I'm cleaning cleaning it out yeah, that's great. Yeah, it should be fun. So uh, when I'm there, how many minutes sh- uh, will will I be? How many how many minutes will I be able to like uh, have a chance to yell or heckle or anything when you're on there up there? Oh, uh, 15, 20? You'll be up there for fifty or twenty minutes? Uh, maybe I think so. I'm doing other stuff. Yeah, I'm on stage. 
Um, my little boy's gonna probably sleep. That's fine. I fully expect it's it. A late I expect him. you to sleep as well, which no, is no. also okay. I'll be riveted. That's okay. one of my favorite stories, man. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. like it. Well, I'm excited you're coming. I'm uh, also terrified. <laughs> I saw a thing one time where it was like Christmas Carol Part Two, and everybody took horrible advantage of them. This was not like a Dickens story, though. Was no, this no, like no. a fifty like a thing, years later? Yeah, and like yeah, yeah, like later, and everybody would like manipulate him and and tell him lies and sob stories and con him out of his money and take advantage of his generosity. So Scrooge is the victim in this sequel. Becomes a victim. Yeah, this sounds bad. I can't remember what I was looking at. But what uh, okay. what makes the Christmas Carol one of your favorite stories? Uh, well, I imagine it being in the same vein as Jimmy Stewart in um. It's a Wonderful Life, which is a great story. If you like the story of the making of, um, I don't know if you know, but that production company went bankrupt. It was a huge flop. Um, Kappa had been a World War II veteran, came home, um, wanted like desperately to do something positive. They put all their money into it. Uh, everything was horrible. And then the ultimate redemption of it being, um, no one went to it. It was panned by critics oddly and then now it's an american ritual to watch it every year but the idea of being able to see your life when you're not around it is kind of an eye-opening story yeah makes you, you kind of reflect on yourself your, yeah so like seeing your life and one jimmy stewart sees the world without him around and it's horrible um scrooge has a face with you know life with him not around and Everybody, no, yeah <laughs> everyone's just doing just fine yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like that shit, man. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm excited to go see a film. Good. Okay. You, you would never lie to me, Steve, right? No, probably okay. not. How often yeah. do you practice or rehearse? Uh, every every weekday now. Oh, and, really? And Saturdays. Yeah, it's getting up. Wow. That's that so final you, stretch. You put a lot into it. Yeah. That's cool. It's a lot of time. He's a song and dance man. Keeps me off the Xbox. I know. I, know, I just know Steve was. <laughs> <laughs> How do you rehearse being a robber? Like you just like oh, it's so much fun. That, well, so like, I get to kind of ham it up for that scene. I, I put mm. on my like Dick Van Dyke Cockney accent and really, really go go nuts. How, how yeah. does that Cockney accent sound? You'll have to go see the play, Corinne. <laughs> Come on, but our listeners well, can't why, go why see the play. Why are you talking? Who are you talking to while you rob? Like I, I, I picture robbers being more discreet. Oh, I'm I'm with my 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 buddy. We're robbing it together. You're like ransacking. So yeah, we're yeah. we're we're having a little dialogue. Yeah, hmm. oh, that's great. Yeah, man. I'm excited. It's fun. Um. Joined also by Garrett Long. What's up, dude? Yeah, there you go. I'm coming down from a high, high, so I'm just like in this very mellow state right now. Yeah, no, I told Yanni you'll be chill. Why'd you have to tell Yanni that? Because he's talking about coming down. He said, how crowded is it? And I said, well, you're crowded. But my name came up and he said I'd be chill. Yeah. Didn't I? I don't think of you as just a guy like me, like just <laughs> talking about stupid shit all the time. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you know? yeah. Get in there when you need to get in there and get done. Yeah, I'm like in this self-reflection phase right yeah, now. Self-reflection. <clears throat> are, are you going to tell us about this high of all highs? We're going to get well, to I that. Well, I think we'll get there. Oh, we will. Yeah. yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, Corinne's here, song and dance, Phil. Giannis is here. has no idea what we're here to talk about today. He's going to be in an interviewer role. That's not true. Yeah. I, I, I rushed down here. No, you know what we're talking about, but you're going to be, you don't know the answer. Like, you're the only one that doesn't know. No, Correct. No, 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 no. Correct. Um, Seth Morris. Howdy. And then we have, uh, uh, you want to introduce yourself there? Oh, Mr. Corey, Corey Calkins. Yeah. Yeah. You've been on the show, trivia player. Trivia. Corey used to be the guy that when you wrote an email in, that was your guy. Yeah. Not anymore. 
Unfortunately. Do you miss it? I do. Yeah. Easy now. Talk to a lot of great people. You were always good about sending me the interesting emails. Yeah. When we're saying on on the show, when we say like, uh, you know, a guy wrote in and then we tell something to happen to him, Corey used to vet all that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of folks didn't make the cut. Gatekeeper, Corey. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder what didn't make the cut that I should have known about. Not great stuff. You think so? Yeah. But we appreciate everybody writing in. We had a guy write in recently. No, we had a guy write a great story in recently (laughs) where he got caught stealing a tree stand and wrote us in about it. He got caught? The guy got, got, he stole a tree stand, got caught and wrote us a letter. No, he didn't steal it. Kind of. Just go listen to the episode. I was there. He was there. <laughs> I, I participated in that car. And he was yeah. right. Um, yeah, I got mad that he was surfer yeah. shit, not that he took the tree stand. <laughs> wow, what a story. Did, did he have an accent like Phil? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't. We, 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 couldn't tell. Okay, hmm. we got to do a couple things. If you listen to Cal's Week in Review, you've been getting a weekly synopsis of what, go, what is going on with um, a, a, an important piece of legislation that's sitting in Washington, D.C. right now called RAWA, Recovering America's Wildlife Act. We're going to get a little lesson on RAWA. Um, it passed the House. So, you know, we have our, like, bifurcated legislature where we have, how many, how many congressmen? Almost 400, right? Maybe more than 400? Nothing personal in any Congress. Don't look at anybody in this room for that answer. No, well, four, look how close to right I was. Mm, what is it? Oh, no. It changes all the time. No, Alaska, yeah, like, like Montana just added it. Just Montana right. just added a seat. Changes all yeah. the damn time. It's a moving number. 435? 435. But let me tell you what never changes. The number of senators is fixed at 100, each state having two. You know, I'm going to do a quick civics lesson for Americans, younger, younger folks. Seth, or older, if you don't know. Okay, Seth, explain to me. You're a younger oh, fella. Oh, yeah, okay. Explain to me how and why, how and why do we have a bifurcated legislature, and what is the difference between the House and Senate? I thought you were giving a lesson. I've been trying to see. I'm, I'm trying the type to of person that needs that lesson. Oh, okay. Uh, so to give an equal, equal balance, um, some you get your congressman is uh, you get those are rewarded on population, okay. Um, and then every state gets two senators. One might look and be like, "Well, how would a state like I don't mean to pick on Wyoming? Here you have a state with six hundred thousand people, and they send two senators to D.C. And then you have a state. How many people are in California? Over thirteen million. Oh yeah. Is that, is that why Montana just got a senator? Because yeah. our population's going. No, no, no. 20, 2021 was 39.24 million. Okay, so do this. Divide that number by two and divide Wyoming's population by two and notice how skewed it is. How much senatorial representation you get in Wyoming. So let's say that half of California's population is 20 million and Wyoming's population in 2021 was 578,000. So divide that by two. Mm-hmm. 300,000 yeah. roughly. So, so tw- every 20 Wyoming- million Californians get a senator. Yeah. And what? 
300,000 Wyoming Wyomingians Wyomingians Wyomings get us here's the other thing about being here's the other cool thing about being in Wyoming how many of those people are legal so pull out the pull out everyone under 18 you've now shrunk the number way down pull out who actually votes it's like a very small number of individuals sends a person to the Senate in Wyoming and meanwhile, in California, they got to split the same number. But then they, they get a shitload of representation in Congress, which is doled out by, I'm assuming Wyoming has a congressman. Yeah, they would have a mm-hmm. congressman. And California has 50-something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Seth. Thank you. Does that make you feel proud to be an American? It does. That they thought all this through? So um, Rawa, back to Rawa, Rawa passed the House. And everybody loves it. Um, all the you know wildlife people all like it. They all worked on it, and it'll pass the Senate if it votes. But they just don't vote. And we're gonna learn about what Rawa is, why it isn't getting across the finish line, and what it would take to get across the finish line from um, Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico, who's been who's joined us on the show before. So he'll be joining us right now. All right, Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico. Uh, lay out, lay out for us real quick. Remind everybody what is Rawa? Rawa. How do you guys? What, what do you like to say? Yeah, I, I usually call it Rawa. Okay. What is Rawa, and what exactly is the problem? So, Rawa is the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, and um, it it really creates a, a mechanism for being able to conserve species, um, all the, the various species of wildlife that people care about before they get into an emergency room kind of situation. If you think about like the Endangered Species Act, if, if a species ends up on the endangered species list, they're already so far gone that it's incredibly expensive and really difficult to bring them back from the brink. And this shines a spotlight on all those species that that are nowhere close to being listed but are in decline and gives us a tool to be able to recover them and maintain healthy populations. And who who was on the who's on the hook for it financially? You know, what is the money? Where does the money come from? That has always been sort of the, the rub with this le- legislation. Uh, and we're in the midst of negotiating that literally as we speak. And I think we're getting close to being able to announce uh, a way to raise the money in a way that doesn't increase the deficit and has both Republican and Democratic support. What is the, uh, how long has it been ready to vote on? Or when you say that you're literally, that you're working on it as we speak, do you mean you're, that they're, they're finally drafting the the final bit of the legislation or what? The the main portion of the policy is already passed the House, and it's also passed the relevant committee in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very close to being able to get this done, um, most likely because there's not a lot of time left in this Congress. It would be included in the end-of-year spending package. What were the... Tell people how it went when it, in the House. You know, I mean, would you factor in total vote, Republican support, Democrat support? We've had really strong Republican support for this legislation. It's been 
very bipartisan because it was literally drafted from the ground up with the input of the state wildlife agencies. Okay. Uh, they're the groups that would implement this legislation. And if you look, if you're looking for something that is like government that is popular, look at your state game and fish agencies. And so all of them have a plan in place called the State Wildlife Action Plan with a bunch of species that they just don't have the money to work on. Um, and this bill would really change that dramatically. How does it happen in D.C. when there's a there's a bill that has bipartisan support and there's really no doubt that if it came to a vote that it would pass? How does it come to be that you just can't get it up for vote? There's a couple of dynamics at play. One is just a lack of time. Uh, if you if you watch the Senate at this point, you'll see things constantly filibustered, and it only takes one person to really gum up the works. So you can have something that has well over 60 votes, uh, as Rawa does, and still not be able to get it on the floor and get it passed. Give me, is there only one argument against it, or is there an argument against it coming from each side? No, I, th- I think this, is, this has been worked on for so long and it's so bipartisan that, I, I mean, there are, there are always a handful of people that will find a reason not to do something. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what has really attracted bipartisan support about this legislation is if you wait until some species is on the endangered species list. Let's take the monarch butterfly as a great example. If the monarch were to get listed tomorrow, the compliance costs, for agriculture all across the Midwest would be in the tens of billions. And we have a tool here where you can, you know, if, if the Endangered Species Act is like the emergency room, this is like primary care. This is spending a small amount of money early in the process to really maintain the, the wildlife that does so much for our economy. Yeah. And then also it gets it you know, taking care of the problem before it's too late helps you avoid the inevitable bloodbath that happens when people really have to start sacrificing on behalf of something that's really imperiled. I mean, that is that's when things, that's when things get ugly. Right. No, if you look at some of the endangered species battles we've had, we can avoid those and make sure that we're avoiding um, both the political battle and the compliance costs that come with trying to break, bring something back from the very brink of extinction. So uh, when, when you and I spoke about this the other day, you brought up that, you know, we've had our um, we've had midterm elections. It, it creates turnover, new people coming in, priority shifts. You feel that to get this across the finish line, you feel a sense of urgency. Absolutely. I, I think this is an important window and we have, you know, we have our ducks in a row right now. It would be a, a terrible missed opportunity if we can't get this across the finish line. And, and I can tell you, you know, John Dingle, one of the, the great uh, sort of conservation heroes of the House of Representatives, tried to pass very similar legislation multiple times and, and came very close. People have been working on this problem for 50 years. We've got an opening right now, and we need to take advantage of it. So what, what do you recommend to, to listeners who care about wildlife, 
want to see these problems addressed early before they become emergencies that are incredibly divisive and expensive. Uh, what what do people do to get it that that you guys get it in front of you and vote on it before the end of the year? I, I would really recommend people reach out to their member of Congress and both of their senators and say that this is something that's important. And given the breadth of support for this, I mean, all the state agencies support this. You have uh, all of the conservation and hunting groups from the um, the National Wildlife Foundation to TRCP to Pheasants Forever, you name it, go to their websites. Most of them have some sort of alert on their site about how to engage your member of Congress and your senators and say, this is important. Let's get this done now. All right, man. We'll get people on it. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Keep up the great work. Yeah, all right, everybody. That's uh, Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico, um, a friend of the show, been on a handful of times, big hunter, big fisherman. He does all the stuff he's supposed to do. Um, and while he's doing that, he really just keeps his eyes peeled on access issues, things that affect hunters and anglers. He is a, a, a friend of outdoorsman um martin thanks for coming on man best of luck to you always a pleasure steve all right take care all right everybody this, this is this is one of our special hunt recap issues and episodes and the reason this episode is special and you really ought to listen because it is what i think is the most politically is this fair to say in, in terms of elk hunts it's the most politically convoluted contentious Weird little elk hunt in America. America's weirdest little elk hunt. Title of the podcast. That'd be a great title for the podcast. <laughs> if I was just a dude at home and I was thinking about what to listen to and I saw that pop up, some bitch, I'd be listening. Yeah. Yeah. What's, it sounds kind of like the, uh, what's the Reno tech? America's, America's best America's... little whore house? Close. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? You know what I'm talking about? What is that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolly that's Parton? not what I was thinking. Re- what was it? Reno has a catchphrase that's sort of like America's favorite little big city or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but what am I thinking of Dolly Parton? Terrible. <laughs> well, help me out. What yeah, a- Dolly Parton is in a, is in a movie, right? That's, uh, is it a musical Something a about a favorite little whorehouse, yeah. Hmm. Best little whorehouse in Texas? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Never saw that one. Yeah, not you, familiar. It's a good family movie for tonight. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think um, so. What was it? It was the weirdest little elk hunt in America. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about actual elk hunt, but first I want to lay I, I want to lay out why, um, what makes this the weirdest little elk hunt in America. Okay, Yanni, I'm listening, and then and then you can you can ask about like th- there will come a point where you'd be like, so what was the elk hunting like? <clears throat> yeah, I've heard a lot about mm. this elk hunt ever since I moved here. I know several people that have hunted it, including Garrett mm-hmm. prior to oh, this really? hunt. His yeah. grandpa. Garrett? No, his my, grandpa. My grandpa had, grandpa had, had the tag. Shit. Yep. Garrett mm. pretty much guided him though. Yep. Wow. Grandpa, uh, Garrett described his grandpa to me. I, can't, I wish I could remember the sentence exactly. A lifelong Public land cow elk killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first 25 points we saw up there, it was like, should I shoot him? Oh, cramp, no. He's got to have six on each side at least. <laughs> yeah. He said it was hard for him to get used to the idea of... Passing up an elk, man. He's like, you know, the brow tine's long enough on that bull. I'm like, oh, God dang, yeah. It is a coveted tag. Well, yeah, I'll oh tell boy. you. You want to know how coveted? Let's go. Um, Roll out the stats. I'll roll out stats. Well, long, first thing I'm going to roll out what it is. 
so there's a thing called there's a, there's a thing called the buffer zone um, in Montana, and it sits it's it, it's 50 square miles, and it kind of straddles the northwest corner of Yellowstone National Park. Um, historically, it was like a general unit thing, and you could hunt right up to Yellowstone Park border, and they would now and then have a little bit of a bloodbath over there where uh, weather and such would really start forcing elk out of the park. There was a couple places like this. Um, there's one in Gardner they used to call it the firing line. Was it the shooting line? Fire, the firing line. Firing line. Because things would just hit a crescendo now and then, a, like a crescendo of elk killing would occur in these places. Um, they then, for a while, closed this little portion of land to give elk room to move out of the park, disperse a little bit and go about various paths and not be in such a funneled situation. So it'd be like, imagine a funnel, if you will, imagine an hourglass. Okay. The buffer zone is the neck on the hourglass. The cone on one side is like the park portions of the park. The cone on the other side is national forest and ranch land, you know, at large. And that neck is just this place where a lot of animals come through. And so they closed it to give elk a chance to get out of there and go about either hang tight in the neck of the funnel or take various routes and spread when, out. When did they close that? What was it, Corinne? Uh, Corinne knows. I told her to find it out. I sent her a message. On I was trying to reach. tee you up. It was 1911. 1911. Yeah. Huh. Is that where the handgun name comes from? Because the buffer zone. That's impressive right. that long ago. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I would have thought it was in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, me too. No, I, I did like real quick math on that for some stats. And it, there's been 85 hunters in there in the last 112 years. Man, you, you should, you want to get a job producing the podcast? Yeah, I, yeah. you swap with me. <laughs> Grin's out. Yeah, where's that on these notes? <laughs> it's actually not in here. <laughs> That's Thanks, all laid up, Garrett's little noodle. <laughs> Damn, Garrett, good job, man. Boom. Then, well, I got a little, I got a little factoid for you. When they first opened the buffer zone, how many elk tags? Four. Ooh, jeez, snapping! Wow, you guys, hot. <laughs> so, decades went by, and then eventually, a Region Three biologist with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks put some effort and work into creating the buffer zone hunt. And this gentleman, um, he's still alive. I've, I've emailed with him. This gentleman brought up, you know, we got hundreds of elk coming through here and wintering and whatnot. Is it really going to hurt anything if a few guys take a poke? Great question. And so they started issuing some tags. And for long, it was four, and then it became five. This year. Has it ever been more than five? I don't believe so. I haven't seen any mention. I know. Hold on. So they shut it down in 1911. When did they reopen it? Oh, not just recently. 2005. 2003. Oh. No, they started uh, talking about it in 2003, but it opened in 2005. Jeez, I'm not going to question you anymore. I'm sorry, Garrett. <laughs> this guy should like. Nobody likes to show off. No, yeah. it's great. You think that when he dies, they're probably going to mount him and hang him at fishing game. <laughs> Garrett Long's Pass. I, I, Garrett Long Pass Knob. Garrett Long's Valley. <laughs> <laughs> a whole buffer zone. So guy's yeah. Long Creek. This guy's amazing. Long Trailhead. Speaking of getting mounted at fishing game, I don't want to give too many details because <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I think this is true. There's a guy, like I, I'm sure it's true, but I, I, I know it's true because I've even seen where it happened. 
I've seen it and I've seen where it happened. And I had the whole thing explained to me. There was a feller that has a plane, his own private plane. Mm-hmm. One time he sees a giant mule deer on a, someone's ranch. Lands, do you know the story? Mm-hmm. Just shaking my head because it's Lands like a good the plane, one. kills the mule deer, gets in trouble. The mule deer gets confiscated and it hangs in a regional, huh. it hangs in a regional fishing game headquarters. On occasion, the gentleman who got it will still take his friends down to show him. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was another story just <laughs> that's the story I heard. He still is like, let me take it down to fishing games to see my buck. I see this. Deer. He's still proud of it. I, didn't we have another story? You had another story just like that, where someone got busted and would take friends down to fishing that, games. That's it. That's the one. That's the story. Oh, I never remember the plane part. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's the story. Um, so last year, 12. Does he bring down a couple beers? He's <laughs> like, yo, mine, I could put some camp chairs and shit, and it's I like, got like a little fake campfire I'd like to set up. His, his man cave has hours. Like, well, we got to be out of here by five, boys. Thinking about having everybody over, but it's at four o'clock on Monday. <laughs> Not at my house. Um, the So the buffer zone, what year did it come in? 2005. Okay, so it came in 2005. Um, and, you know, uh, people really want to hunt the buffer zone. They had tw- 12,000, no, 1,200 people applied for the buffer zone permit. I was one. Five got it. So you might be like, well, what astounding odds. And it is, it's astounding odds, but keep this little detail in mind. Um, we've explained bonus points a thousand times. I'll do a real quick rundown again. Uh, oftentimes, as is in the case of the buffer zone, which is an extreme version, the demand, um, for a specific hunt, um, is greater than the supply, right? So we all know that if you live in pretty much anywhere in America that has white-tailed deer, let's say you live in, uh, New York state. Anyone that anyone that legally can could go down and buy a deer license. You can just go deer hunting. The amount of deer tags sold is like has a lot to do with how many people wanted one. There's no cap. There's never a point which they'd like, you cannot have a deer tag. Um, but you take something like bighorn sheep, for instance. Hell, everybody'd like to go hunting bighorn sheep, but there aren't that many bighorn sheep. So you need to allocate the permits. And they do it generally. There are notable exceptions, um, which we've covered in the past. Generally, it's a democratic it's they're allocated democratically, meaning you have a lottery, you have a raffle draw. Um, a lot of states will reward return customers. So every year that if you throw your hat in the ring and you you enter a tag lottery and you don't win, you get what's called a bonus point or a preference point. In Montana, um, they they square your preference points. So they used to not do this. So if you had two points, your name's in the hat twice. If you have three points, your name's in the hat three times. Um, some years, I don't know how, how long ago it was, mm-hmm. less than 10 years ago, mm-hmm. they started to square your points. Meaning if you're going in with, I, I have never drawn a special elk tag in Montana in my life. I don't know how I had a shitload of bonus points. So your name might be in the hat 400 times mm-hmm. if you've got 20 bonus points, which is how long they've been doing the bonus point system, roughly. Um, you go in with 20 bonus points, is 20 times 20. So 1,200 people applied, but a lot of them, their name's only in once. 
and some of them, their names in the hat 400 times. So it's not like that crazy, but it's still crazy to, to draw it. Well, yeah, because you still have other people in there that have their name in the hat 400 times. Yeah, yeah you're not the only one for right. sure. It's to the point where people would, con- when I drew it, people would congratulate me as though I had a baby. Wow. Yeah. They'd call you. Congratulations. I mean, I felt like we had a moment <laughs> on the phone, right? When you drew it and called me, it was like. Yeah. It took me a minute to think it was, I thought it was like, I thought they'd made a mistake. And you're like refreshing it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I texted you when I found out. I was pissed. Yeah. That was your response. Garrett was happy you were pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really shows, you know, different ways you can go about through life. <laughs> it's a but story called A Christmas Carol. You can take some lessons away. I was Why are happy you mad, for you. Corey? Because you wanted it. Well, I, you know, some of these coveted tags might need to be restricted to Montana natives one of these mm. days. Mm. Ooh, that's a good idea, actually. You know, that, that's an idea that I can get on board with that. Don't you yeah. think that's a good idea? Great idea. I could get on board with that. Yeah, but I, I was happy for you. But still, you right away, I was like, God, out of stater. I, you know, I wouldn't even, if that happened on some things, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Mm. I wouldn't be pissed. Um, it's a good idea. Especially now that mm. I did it. Now that I got mine. <laughs> yeah, now we'll move here's on. Where, here's, where the thing get, here's where the tag gets tricky and contentious. So, there are certain access issues. Um, Try to picture in your mind, close your eyes and picture in your mind's eye that you have, I'm trying to think of how you explain this. Yellowstone National Park, where you're hunting, the border of Yellowstone National Park is a river. Okay? It's the upper Gallatin River. If you're facing, we're going to do this where you're facing upstream looking into the park. So you're, you're fit, you're, you're, you're facing south, looking upstream on the Galton River into the park, and you're on a highway. It just so happens that the highway is not down the center of the river. The highway's off to the side of the river, right? The highway sits to the east of the river, but the park border is the river. So you have a little strip of ground between the edge of the highway and the edge of the river because the highway parallels the river. So picture this. You have, it could be 30 yards. Mm-hmm. It could be 200 yards where you would leave the road and need to, is this, how clear is this to someone who doesn't know what I'm talking about? No, it's good. Got I my got eyes it. closed. I got, no, no, I got it. I got it. Okay, lay your hand down flat. Listeners, mm-hmm. lay your hand down flat. This is perfect. Lay your left hand down flat on the ground. Unless you're driving. Then just look at your fingers. Okay, <laughs> now never mind. Okay, never mind your pinky and your thumb. We're only focused on your three middle fingers, which are laid flat on the ground, <laughs> on the table. Your index finger of your, your Yellowstone National Park is off your fingernails. Your, this is your left hand laying flat. You don't have a thumb and pinky. Your index finger is the highway. Your middle finger is the upper Gallatin River. Your ring finger is public land. You need to get from your pointer finger to your ring finger. 
right? Mm -hmm. Now, at a time, that was illegal. Because mm -hmm. you couldn't have a gun in the park. This is where the story gets interesting. Couldn't have a gun in the park. I was shocked to hear what president signed the legislation that made it that you could have a gun I in the park. I knew you were shocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It starts with the O. <laughs> and ends in Obama. <laughs> hey, man, it's a struggle to find time to manage one's finances it's a struggle to find time to manage my finances you go through like a busy week and the last thing you want to do is spend time budgeting you know your expenses and tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions you're paying for that you don't use but now you use rocket money and does all of that for me i'll tell you this this happens all the time in our family because like something will come out that we want to watch and they lure you in with a one-month trial. And you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do the one-month trial. Then I'll come back and cancel. And then I can watch this whole thing. And then, like, you don't. You forget about it. And then, and then a year goes by and you've been paying these guys 12 bucks all year and never watched a single thing. This finds that stuff and gets rid of it for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside. Planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing. Taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com. Or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, and I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up bubbly doug's place on on x and i'll look at the topography and i'll be like oh that sucker must be over 
in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. People in the press were not happy. Crin, read that line from that heart, that headline you found, or that that line that lays out. So once they made it that you could cross through the park with guns, here's how it was described in in a newspaper article. Well, I mean, it like it was all over mainstream media, right? So ABC, NBC, I mean, anywhere you guys get. But give the new reality. News, but um, <clears throat> so should I name you had it which yellow. source this comes from? Sure. Okay, so this was just an ABC News article from February 2010. Hikers in the Grand Canyon, visitors to Old Faithful, and anyone else sleeping at hundreds of national park campsites across the country might now be surrounded by (laughs) other tourists carrying shotguns or rifles. Surrounded. Surrounded by. This is like when that guy was worried about all those robo deer. Yeah, the guy was like, I want to live in a world where the woods are full of robo deer. <laughs> thanks to a new law that took effect today. They got us surrounded. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to, it is now legal to carry loaded guns into our national parks. So, they did that, which made it now. Once you could do this, you could now, with a gun, Cross your middle finger back to the hand lying on the ground. You could take a gun on the highway wearing hunter's orange. And just as I can tell you from personal experience, now this causes some consternation with motorists because they know they've just passed a huge sign that says Yellowstone National Park. And then lo and behold, what do we have here? Bunch of rednecks wearing their crazy ass orange clothes with guns. Looks doing like, what looks a hell of a lot like going hunting. Yeah. And they hit the brakes. They slow down and they look. <laughs> and it is not a friendly look. <laughs> it's a what in Sam Hill? And they're like, I need to report this. <laughs> these, people it, are, like, these people are blazing. <laughs> these people are blazing. <laughs> they're surrounding me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did, does it get reported on often? I don't know. But judging by the the part, uh, let uh, let me continue my story (laughs) because it gets better. It gets better. What that left off, though, was that left off archery equipment. So for a while, like, no, okay, the, the idea that you can cross the park with a gun is no longer contested. The park service don't like it. You can tell the, the park rangers hate it. They don't like it none. But there's nothing they can do about it. Some years ago, though, they had to take on the issue of archery equipment. And if you draw the buffer zone tag and you get to calling around, you will not get a straight answer from anyone about what the situation is with archery equipment. It is very similar to if you happen to be a hunter from Missouri and you wanted to go corner crossing in Wyoming and you talk to a lot of different law enforcement people who all told you it was okay up until you got arrested by one of them. (laughs) Up until you got arrested by the one that told you it was okay. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like no one will give you the straight answer on archery equipment. But where's the law, Corinne, that they had? What is the wording for the law? I know it by heart. I don't need it. If you can just pull up the year while I say it. 
Some years ago. For archery? Yep. What year did they address it with archery? 2018. In 2018. Because it's like a little weird that you can have a gun there, but you can't have a bow there or a crossbow. For a while, you it was the, the way they were reading the rules, you had to disassemble your bow. You no couldn't have kidding. an assembled bow. Then they made it. No, Yanni, why are you yawning? This is fascinating. <laughs> what, what do they mean That's, by disassembled? I'm still hung- That's another thing no one really knows. It's not assembled. People think it means if it's a, if it's a stick bow, just take the string off. If it's a compound bow, you got to have a bow press to put it back together once you cross the park. It, like, I know the law. I know it now, but I'm more, I'm trying to paint the picture of how you cannot get a straight answer. Yeah. And I got a great story from a guy that had the tag a couple years ago. So what year was it? 2018? 2018. They said, you can cross the park with a unloaded, and then I asked like, what does unloaded mean? It means you don't have an arrow in it. Okay. Not like just, it's just like, you don't, it's unloaded. There's not an arrow in it. You can cross the park with a bow if, if it was impossible or otherwise impractical to get to that location by other means. Impossible or otherwise impractical. Right. There is so much room for interpretation. A friend of mine in law enforcement, when I was discussing with him the other day, he says, man, the minute you throw a word like impractical into a mm-hmm. law, you have just opened up the floodgates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, no person in law enforcement, he says, wants to see the words impractical. <laughs> the hell does that mean? Well, this same individual, years ago, couple, not years ago, a couple years ago, drew the buffer zone tag. And if you call the park service, the park service will tell you that you can't cross that little strip with a bow. They'll say you have to go. It's about a nine mile trip to get back into some of these areas by horse. Some of the areas. Some of the areas. Now here's listen to this too, though. Well, no, to get to the to get to the area that's like that people would want to go hunt Mm -hmm. for archery if they had the buffer zone tag is nine miles from a trailhead. And then you wind up a few hundred yards from the road. So you're doing a nine-mile trip to wind up a few hundred yards from the road. Because you cannot recover game across the park anyways. So it opens up this thing that you could go in with a gun or go in with a bow, which we'll get to, but if you kill an elk, you can't retrieve it across the park. You have to find another way out of there. Okay? So this individual that I know had a plan. He's got, he's got access to horses. He's like, oh, no, if I kill one, if I cross the little strip with my bow and kill one, I'm going to go get my horses. My bu- he's going to go get his buddy's horses, and they'll just ride nine miles and get the damn elk. Fully plans on it. Well, he runs into a park ranger from a Yellowstone park ranger. Your park ranger says, if I catch you doing that, I'm going to write you a ticket. He says, man, I just got off the phone with the people in Washington, D.C. about how that rule will be interpreted. I also brought it up. I brought it up with Whit Fosberg, president and CEO of Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Not an elk hunter. Doesn't put in for the buffer zone tag. Has zero skin in the game. He was, he basically was like, he remembered, he remembered working on codifying the legislation around this. And he said, hold on a minute. 
There's an argument about whether it would be impractical to walk a couple hundred yards versus a nine mile trip. He's like, I'd love to see someone make that case. Anyways, this ranger that was, that was, I don't want to use the word harassing, this ranger that was, yeah, I don't know, semi-harassing a friend of mine was putting it that his interpretation was that's not impractical. I had a person from the national park come and check my license a couple of days ago. I said to him after he checked my license, I didn't know, I didn't know they could do that. But I get, apparently, I mean, you can't hunt the park anyway, so I don't know what it has to do with him, but check my license. I then said, sir, um, I got a question for you. And listen, both season's over and I'll never have this tag again. This has nothing to do with me. I'm just curious. What's your read on the law? And he, he didn't want to answer it. He wanted to have like an ethical he, he wanted to have an ethical conversation with me. Um, he felt that this tag is meant for the kind of person who would want to go nine miles. Oh, give me a break. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people now just want that easy hunt. He said, no offense to anyone here, but they just want that easy hunt yeah, for Instagram. Hunt no, he brought it up. The, that with, easy with, hunt for Instagram. Yeah, with the odds against him, five people getting it. Unbelievable. It burns their ass so bad <laughs> that they could have a dude, that they could have a dude crossing that little chunk of park to go hunting. It tears them up. And then he kind of tried to be a little bit misleading to you on how to get to some other elk. I was looking have. at, we were looking at, we weren't even looking at elk, we're looking up a mountain. Um, not too far above us. And we're standing there in waders. Okay. And he's like, you guys got your eyes on a bull. I said, we had, we were watching one. We're trying to see if we can find him again. And he said, oh, so you'll go around to a trail. There's a trail a few miles down. So you'll go around to that trail and take that trail up in there. And I'm standing there in chest waders. (laughs) I said, no, we're going to cross the river. Zero reply. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's contentious. Like they don't like they really zero That's reply. That's really interesting. Yeah. No reply to That's that. That's real interesting. Wow. And then did you go and cross the river? Oh, and my my friend a couple of years ago, he hunted the piss out of it with his bow, walking across that thing and never got a citation. Because he's like he because he he like I said he called DC. He's like I'm not I don't want to deal with any I don't want to deal with a ranger there. I want to just call. Yeah the National Park Service, and get their take on it. I don't want to have it be, I don't want to have someone like interpreting what this means. He said, I just want to know the truth. And once I knew the truth, there's no thing an individual was going to tell me there because I knew the truth. And I was more than ready to hash this out with them in a court if I needed to. Hmm. Sounds like a great hunt so far. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's look at the flip side though. The first day we were there, we saw 27 bulls. <laughs> oh, man. There's something like that. Mm. Well, first five hunt, minutes we were there, we saw. Hard hunt for video, because you can't, uh, you can't, no, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't shoot film. something. Yeah, you, well, you, you can't, know. you can't, even, so we even looked into this, like, you know, there's like certain right-of-way stuff. Um, like, normally you can film off a road, mm-hmm. you know, but when the park owns both sides of the road, you can't, like, yeah. you can't use any you can't film anything like that right you can't be on that road filming off the it, it's it's strict yeah with permission yeah even this that. guy weirdly too knew like he knew even though he's with nps he knew where we had film permits asked me and before i could answer he told me 
Huh. Maybe there's some it's weird. information sharing that needs to happen. Well, they, they've been sharing ha- yeah, it. I mean. No, it was weird because he asked me a question, but I didn't get a chance <laughs> to answer it. I was bummed out because then he told me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was, so he was setting you up for a gotcha or something? There's, I, I want to know, like, it'd be, I'd love to have to do a Freedom of Information Act to get the body cam conversation. It was such an interesting conversation. Huh. Especially when I got shamed, when I was getting shamed a little bit. I would love to have the body cam conversation to be like, this is an interesting, just play the conversation. Was that, he, was he shaming you about being skinny? No, no, he no. Bo- no, he, uh, he has like a body camera. No, I didn't get body shamed. No, I was like, it was like, <laughs> that this hunts, you know, this hunts kind of for people. Oh, the easy, like, the oh, you the mean easy the, hunt. You mean the, how there's like two feet of snow and it's negative 30 degrees and, and, and you're not going to like go up <laughs> Skyline Ridge. He had, he had mentioned how there was a, another tag holder that killed a bull far in. Did it archery right. season, Did everything and right. he did it the right way. And then, you know what I had to point out to him? It was two people that had, they had party tags. I, and so he's talking about one of the people in the party. I had to point out to him, oh, you know, right now, while you're telling me this, those two individuals are right down the road with waders on. <laughs> like literally right now. Yeah. The guys that did it right, did everything right, they're down there in waders. And it's not like that's just what we wanted to hunt was right by the river either. I it mean, it's just line. reality. If I was a buffalo hunter, I'd go where the buffalo are. Yeah. Mm. That's where the <laughs> buffalo were. <laughs> like we tried to make it as hard as we could. Like yeah, we, we, we were all over the damn place. Yeah. We were way back there. There just wasn't any elk there. But it's, but it's neither here nor there. It's like yeah. you get, you, it's called the buffer zone. What does it buffer? It buffers Yellowstone National Park yep. with the surrounding national forests. And it's kind of like hate the, hate the game, not the player. Yeah. <laughs> we should get I wasn't, that body like, cam footage. Like I, I had zero to do with instituting yeah. the buffer zone. Right. Totally. Right. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that it was such a problem. <laughs> I applied for a thing that my state is handing out. He's just projecting. I'm trying his to do everything. I'm doing everything. <laughs> I've done exhaustive research. I don't understand the problem. Someone feels a way about it. I wonder if there's any park rangers that are hunters down there. there so there's got to be some no? nice park Listen, rangers. He didn't like. He didn't. He didn't in any way threaten. He didn't, it, it, it was just, it, it, but it wasn't like, hey guys! No. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the buffer zone! <laughs> Welcome to Yellowstone. I saw a nice bunch yesterday. Yeah. yeah. No. It's, just, it, it's just weird. So anyways, on, on to the, that's all I got to say about the, have you covered the contentiousness of the issue? <laughs> like it's Disneyland. <laughs> Welcome to the buffer zone. <laughs> Have a t-shirt and yeah. a free sticker. Moose no, should have told be, you. Yeah, it should be like you jumped through all the hurdles and. Preference points and basically got one in almost 1,300 entries. You win a prize. Welcome. No, yeah, yeah. Zero to complain about. I just like, like it's like, I've just taken, the older I get, the more I'm interested in things that, that I'm like, how is this not just that everybody agrees on what the issue is? Hmm. Such as the corner, like with the corner cross thing, I would just like to see it clarified in the courts. Yeah. How is there a question mark over something like, how do multiple states not know? Whether or not they they can't agree on whether or not something is legal, right? And to have it be that you can ask ten different people and get ten different answers about what you can and can't do when you hunt in the buffer zone is insane. You think there'd be like a pamphlet? 
Yeah. Like a um, all agency alert. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like the letter we got from Alaska Fishing Game before we went to a fog knack. Yep. Like, heads up. This is what you're going to have to deal with. You think this is how you deal with they it? They said, you're, if you kill an elk, well, first it's like, it's hard. If you kill an elk, the carcass will get confiscated by a bear. And it's like, here's what's up. When I drew the DI-454 bison permit in Alaska, they send you a letter. It ba- the letter basically says, you drew this, but you're kind of screwed. Here's the deal. Hmm. And they lay it out. Access issues, blah, 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 blah. Historic problems. Um, there was a there was a, bio, a state biologist that also, another hunter I know, that they warned the other hunter. Of what? Just what I'm talking about. Oh, a mm-hmm. chilly reception. Mm-hmm. A chilly reception from the park. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. was, that was me. Oh, that was you? Yeah. Oh, I was warned. <laughs> I, I was warned before my when my grandpa drew the tag. I called one of the biologists, and uh, they told me, like, it was known you don't heckled is the wrong word, but you'd get misleading information. Just like him asking if you were going to go around the trail to go to the elk instead of right at him through the river. Uh, that person warned me that that was like it was very contentious. Yep. And then I think you were talking about too about people that were watching elk that were about ready to cross yeah. out of the park and they'd have like company to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. To like help them the, interpret whether or not the, the rangers elk was in or out like, of the park. Yeah, like, oh, is that really far enough? Like, is it going to go back in? Like, just making them nervous, man. Mm-hmm. Which that, that's like, I think the most irritating thing about it is it's, it's just trying to make you feel uncomfortable with a thing that you're not doing anything wrong about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like borderline hunter harassment. Yeah, uh, kind of leaves you feeling that way, but I, I, would, I, I, I can't, way. I can't in good conscience go that far, but it's something, it's something. Yeah. I, I think there's a way to handle, like, I like to imagine, um, I like to imagine myself in that role and that I would come up and be like, what's going on guys? Um, everybody having a good time? Here's what's going on. Listen, let's, uh, you know. If you got any questions about any of this, let, let's talk it through. I can help you understand where I'm coming from on X, Y, and Z. And just so we can all be not cross wires. Yeah, I mean, the point you is know? that people are, you know, they're supposed to be enforcing the law. And if you're not breaking any laws, it's not like you're showing up and asking for opinions and weigh-ins on you abiding mm. by the law. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, too, is he knew I was Steve Rinelli. Yeah, of course. He yeah, he called him Rinelli. <laughs> like before, I, before I was even able to identify that I had a, that I was the tag holder, he knew he was looking for Steve Rinelli. Yeah, he's a pretty ballsy guy. <laughs> pretty ballsy guy looking for Rinelli. I loved it. Did that sour things mm. going in? No, because I knew. Make no, because I had heard I had heard so many stories about it. Okay. And and um in preparation for it, like I had even gone to people, um I'd even gone to people like uh, trying to understand the law, understand the rules, because I didn't want to be in a situation debating it. So no, it didn't because I'm, I'm like I I knew the law. In fact, um, I would say this is going to sound bold ass statement. I would say that I I perhaps knew it better. I perhaps more had more of an understanding of what it actually said than my interlocutor. Sure. That's a word for someone you're talking wow. to. 
So when you crossed and your waiters, did you turn around to see what his facial expression was like? You want to know something? Like? I never stepped foot in that goddamn river. No, I never had never. to. Uh, never really? Crossed. No. I, I, I think never got to is the better term. Ma- maybe we should have? Yeah, uh, we should have. Yeah. Never stepped foot in that water. Huh. Never went over there. We hunted stuff other that had nothing to do. Okay. We, had, we hunted other stuff. We spent a lot of time looking. Okay. Across that river. Too much time looking. Too much time looking across that river. Couldn't help but look. <laughs> 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 it's too interesting over there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yanni, what else do you need to know, man? You said you are going to interview. Well, are we going to do like a... Are we doing a play-by-play or is this just Yanni asking us? He's going to lead the play-by-play. Oh, gotcha. Ooh. Okay. You guys were filming. That's correct. Meteor <laughs> season 12. That's correct. Who'd you have on as, like, actually on camera as your guests? These two yahoos. Nobody can see Corey you just pointed Garrett. to. Yahoo no. number two over here. Corey and Garrett. Corey and oh, Garrett. Yahoo number one. Who's filming? New guy. And uh, I think you spent some time with him. Bobby. Bobby. And Ridge Pounder. Yep. Bobby saved me on my big run in September. At the top of a big, long, nasty climb in the heat of the day, he was sitting there with a backpack full of ice cold water and was like, hey, you want me to dump this on your head? I was like, Bobby, where did you come from? <laughs> yes. Yes. Just by chance? <laughs> no, I mean, he was hanging there. He, I mean, he's done the race a bunch, and so he knows that when you're coming out of this climb... And you finally get up on the service road that you're, 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 you know, you're wondering who you are and why you're there. You know? <laughs> and uh, a little cold water can do a person some good. Um, that explains. He, he was having not much. He, we were going through a lot of snow and a lot of miles at times. He didn't seem to change tune. <clears throat> no, he's pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, mountain runner kind of fellow. But uh, that's good. Sounds like a good crew. And Sam Bates is with you too. Sam Bates mm-hmm. is there. Good, good. Now, that tag was, oh, the season was open how long? Six weeks of archery, six weeks of gun. Okay, and you hadn't stepped foot in there until the final two weeks. I was going to bow hunt it with Phelps mm-hmm. in the uh, wilderness area where you can't film, but we were just going to go in there and bow hunt it. And that was our big plan. We had all kinds of time figured out. But then I uh, drew an archery, or sorry, I drew an Idaho firearm mule deer permit and scrapped my plans with Phelps, canceled on Phelps, so I could have the best of both worlds. I see. And I went deer hunting. You just draw so many premium tags that you I drew to... two. I drew two good tags, and last year I drew zero. And I'll point out to people, I apply for everything, <laughs> everywhere, and I've been at it a long time and have accrued a lot of bonus points. After a, I'm an old man, I'm 48 years old, I've been applying for shit for a long time, and now I'm cashing in. Yeah, you are. investments. No, it's uh, it's a good, uh, for all those people think that it'll never happen and it's not worth it. I think Steve's a prime example. Like, you know, we've been doing this together 10 years. And I remember when we first started this, we were like, I was like, yeah, dude, let's do all of them. Like, yep. I was talking to a tag draw consultant. I can't remember if it was Garth Carter that told me this or Chris Denham. I think it was Denham. Denham. Yeah. He... Maybe it was Chris Denham from Western Hunter. He had said, if a guy comes to me, he we were talking about tag draws, but we were specifically talking about bighorn, drawing a bighorn permit. He said, if a guy comes to me in his 30s, I'll tell him to get in on the tag draws. It's not too late. And you'll draw one or two bighorn tags. If 
a guy comes to me in the four, in his forties, I'll tell him you might save all the time and hassle and just buy a guided sheep hunt because you're going to be at this for years. And then by the time you get it, you might not be in the physical condition to, to capitalize on it anyway. So mm. just save yourself all that heartache and just go hire a, buy a doll sheep hunt. Yeah. Save, save the money up and, and go on, go on a sheep hunt that way yeah. because you're not going to draw the tag or you'll draw it when you're 80 and it won't do you any good. No, not I, to hack on 80 year olds. No, and there's some 80 year, or 80 year olds that can pull it off, but I know a bunch of, you know, guys that guide those sort of hunts, you know, hard to draw goat hunts, sheep hunts and stuff all over the country. And they often deal with the problem of, okay, you know, George is coming in. He's 82. <laughs> he's got, he's got one hunt, like literally, like he's got one trip up the mountain. Cause after he goes up there once and comes that comes back down, he's not going up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like we have to find the animals when, when the opportunity is the best and to, to pull it off. So it is, it is I mean, that, I said that often when I had my sheep tag, I was so fortunate to draw at 43, mm-hmm. I guess I was, uh, and have legs to go just mm-hmm. cruising around the mountains, you know? Corey, did you encounter that stuff? Corey guided for how many years? 14. 14 years. Mm-hmm. Did you come across stuff like that? Chris, oh, Gill, yeah. Gr- Chris Gill said you had a groove as though you guided for 14 years. Hmm. Yeah? Cool. <laughs> Wonder what that looks like. <laughs> It looks like just you. the way you carried, <laughs> just the way you carried around that spotter. That's yeah, gotta be a spotter. He was, there's both. He was impressed out. by how quick he was impressed by how he didn't even have time to like register that someone had said something. And you already had it in focus. Nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot of practice for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I've definitely had those clients. Just old timers. It's mm-hmm. like you know they only have a little bit of steam left. Absolutely. Yeah, do a lot of driving around sometimes. Yeah. Or horsebacking, whatever, wherever you're at. Yeah, I'd imagine. You know, those clients, it, it probably those guys that come every year as they get older and older, it's like, it's probably hard for them to give it up. Oh, yeah. It's like the thing they did every year. You can tell Seth just got married because he still fiddles with that ring all yeah, the time. Yeah, I can't stop this <laughs> Um, being that some folks, Garrett, or Corey, you can weigh in on this too. Some folks would say this is possibly the best elk tag in the state of Montana. I would say it is. I would say so. It's, and it might, if not, it's top two or three. Well, let's, let's, let's qualify. Uh, I would say, I, I, I haven't been to all the units, but I would say in terms of BPMs, bulls per minute, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to, like BPMs, you're not going to beat it. Without paying for it, yeah, I'm sure you could get greater BPMs at like whatever. But like for a pu- for public land, for non guided public land hunting, I don't know how you'd get more BPMs. Yeah, and this is something I mentioned on when we were filming, probably too much. But I think what makes it the best unit is just the amount of bulls that come in there from nowhere, right? Like you got the break stuff that everybody likes to do, but I feel like a lot of those bulls are named by everybody around there and we would just like all of a sudden a bull like al would show up and he's just this freak bull that's just maybe he never came out of the park in his life and then that like one week he decided to trot across the line you know like you just never know what's yeah people might have looked at him but no one ever looked at him uh lustily yeah (laughs) no he never had a lustful glance his way and then all of a sudden like some crazy bull he doesn't know he just crossed the line and all of a sudden he crossed the line and he's standing there but it was, 
The other thing, it, I don't know how far we want to get ahead of ourselves here, but he was still an elk, right? Like he got bumped one oh. time. Yeah. And he disappeared for the rest. Like we never saw you him saw again. saw him get bumped by someone. He got bumped by someone from a couple hundred yards away, probably yep. 300 yards away. Yep. Ran, never, ever laid eyes on that son of a bitch again. Yeah. yeah. And we looked. Yeah. I mean, looked, looked. Oh, because you were looking at him lustily. He had a oh, hand. Oh, yeah. He yeah. had a freak hand. Back to your hand. Imagine you had an elk and then your hand is made out of antler and it's glued to the back of his beam. He was a five by 11. Holy. <laughs> well, because he had this freak growth, like a growth. Being, being that you applied for nearly 20 years, one of those coveted tags in the state. But it, I never applied for, that was the first time I applied for, no, I used to I apply know. for different units. Sure, but yeah. still, you put a lot of time and effort into applying for trophy units. Mm-hmm. Did, I've uh, always did, done, did th- I've always, feel, there's, four, there's been four I applied for, and this is the first time I tried this one. Did you feel the pressure of having such a, a coveted tag? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Changed it changed everything. Hmm. Were you scared a little how bit? Did no. it, how did it manifest? It manifested like this. We kept telling ourselves we'd be like, um, you know, like Garrett in his grandfather's footsteps is a public land cow killer. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't you know, if you're out on the national forest and you see a bull, it's something to get excited about. Yeah. You're like, you know, during general firearm to be, you know, to and then to be like, oh, there's eight, just just fives, little sixes, in range. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like wow. just, it's just different. Do you remember when we had the guy that killed the biggest whitetail in America? Yes. Uh, Dustin D- Huff. Dustin Huff, the Huff buck. He killed a buck, thought it was the Indiana State record, not being the biggest typical whitetail ever killed in the U.S. That night, like up until that day, he was trying to get a personal best. His goal every year is to get a personal best. And I think he thought if he could get like a 135-inch buck, be personal best. That's what he was out in the woods for, 135-inch buck, and kills a two-something, 200-something-inch buck. At the end of that podcast, I said to him, so what now with the personal best deal? He goes, I go back to the day before I killed that buck. That never happened. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of conversations about um, that, you know, like just reminding yourself, just how unreal it is. Yeah. Yeah. Reminding yourself how unreal it is. And it'd be and like joking about, can you believe that we would have the audacity <laughs> to be like, stupid six points. Yeah. It was like for the, the first <laughs> night, what that he was like mid three twenties bowl. Corey got on his, on his phone scope there. And we were like, oh, not worth going back there. Yeah. Didn't see anything interesting back yeah. in there. <laughs> right. So you passed up how many and how big? Well, Countless. there's like, I like, I was like, when people say like, I passed up a blank, I'm always like, meaning, right. meaning what? You saw it and didn't go after it. It was in range. You saw it and didn't go yeah, after it. Yeah, saw it and didn't go after it. A, yeah. Is, mm-hmm. Okay. Like it didn't, it didn't, you know, get you excited enough to be like, okay, we're going to put some effort to close the gap between where we are and that bull. Yeah. If we were market hunters back in the old days, so 1880, market hunters, I don't know. We could have killed a lot of bulls. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, the one night Corey was down by the river, he saw 17. Oh and that same God. night, and this is just bulls, that same night, what, we saw 14? Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot so, of cows, too? Nope. No. Some. Some. Some bands. Yeah, I should. I take that back. Yes. More than I expected to see. Yep. For sure. Yep. You see some cows, bands of cows. Not like, you know, not like like two, three hundred packs, but but I, probably the biggest group. I mean, maybe in excess of a dozen. Um, yeah. I think like- little spike. They'd have little spikes with them and stuff, you know? With all these bulls, one of the hardest things, we talked about it a lot. Um, Yanni, you and I have talked about this coos hunting, how like you always think the biggest coos deer is at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, effort that to- That kept messing with us. Yeah. Effort to size ratio, like it didn't mean anything. No. So we kept thinking like, oh, we got to get to that like isolated far back spot. You had to hike for the dinkers. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the big ones were very like if, accessible. If you, if you got two and a half miles from the trailhead, you're going to see a bunch of dinkers. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember <laughs> when I saw that. You had to leave the big bulls to go up in the mountains <laughs> yeah. and find a little. Remember I saw that single track way up high in the mountain in the deep snow. Like, whoa, that's got to be a giant yeah. up yeah. there. No, I was laughing about that. I think with Yanni, I was like, how could something that far away be small? Yeah. <laughs> It has to be big if it's that far away. I think it was Al. So, yeah, um, some of that. So the only other bull before you killed yours that you were lustily looking after was this was this weird Al. With, with no, the there was, oh. I was lusty for four bulls. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was lusty for four. What prohibited you from? Greed. Yeah. Greed and lust. Oh. Available time. We got there one day. The day we got there, we got there at, at daybreak, the, the morning version of dusk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the time we were actually, dawn. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> morning version of dusk. I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not kidding you that, I think I'm right when I say this. The biggest, probably, Yeah. maybe the biggest bull we saw was the first bull we saw. Hmm. It would have required a little, what, what, in that spot, how far to get off. No, you wouldn't, you didn't, there was, it was just, yeah, it, it was, was just straight shot. It yeah. was very You easy. could have walked, you could have stepped legal, the legal distance off the center of the road. And shot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and shot. He was like sparring his buddy. A couple, well, he was, I don't know. Maybe 200 yards. Yeah. Under 300 yards. And my thought was, if that son of a bitch is standing there, imagine how big of the one that must be behind us. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that set us down a strange path. You know, that happened to me a little bit in Latvia, which we'll get to another time, but it happened to me the other day when I parked to go deer hunting. I got got access where I was going to park on private to go hunt some public. But, I mean, I was literally like on the fence where I parked, and... As I'm in the car, sort of fiddling around, two does walk within rifle range across a little meadow and into the woods. I get out, put my pack on, and I'm literally grabbing my gun out of the back seat. And I look back up the hill, and there's a nice eight-point buck. And, like, without having any effort invested, it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened to me in Latvia, where I had an opportunity. It was so early in the hunt, I was unfamiliar with the land the the woods, the habitat, the animals, and just didn't have the gur in me sure. at all. And I'm sure that you probably had a little bit of that too, that first moment where you're like, oh, well, there's a giant, but, and it, you don't want it to end. Yeah. You want to go It would have felt hunting. totally weird. It would have felt totally weird. 
What what also got us though is how how trackable they were, man. Like that bull was 200 yards the second day from where we saw him on the first day. And then the next day he was in the same exact spot. Like it almost just seemed like they were always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Till they're not. Till they're not. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's dawning. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder, so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. I don't, I don't I, listen, man, I, I rarely go into stores to buy clothes. I like to, I just buy myself online and I love their shirts. Max that I work with, Max Bard, who comes on the podcast one day. I don't know if he sent me a link to this place. I went on and bought some shirts. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing and get like a whole different cut of the shirt. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. They got it started out with a lightweight fishing shirt. Now they make all kinds of other lines. Western, denim, flannel, corduroy. Better fitting. Not, not all baggy. Better performing because they got modern fabrics with some stretch and breathability. And way comfortable. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns. 
so you can try them out risk-free. Now, I'd always heard it was kind of a migration hunt where like every day or possibly you're going to have critters coming out of the park because there's cold weather and snow up higher in the park. They're moving. Did you guys see that? Or, that remains. Or no? We got there right after a severe weather event, mm-hmm. meaning a, a, a onset of a severe cold snap, bunch of snow, and stuff had a stirred up feeling about it. Okay, just weird stuff. But then it stabilized. Very clear skies, no precipitation, extraordinarily cold. Like we, uh, the coldest morning we hunted was negative 29. Um, we'd spent whole days in negatives. I don't know, it crept up in like nine or 10 or whatever, but like, and then it just, everything just, that frenetic craziness seemed to pass. Like, it did seem like there was like new stuff, you know. I don't know. That was my perception anyways. You'd be like, how could there be this many tracks and brand new snow? Felt feeling about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like what in the hell must have been going on here to make that number of tracks and snow that hasn't been here 48 hours? It's like, how could that be possible? And that definitely seemed to chill. But like, it was like a wave of stuff happened. And then it stabilized. Just very cold. We had that suit. You know what was interesting? That negative 29 morning, we were looking at elk at night. And the next morning it was negative 29 and we were able to find all those elk and they were like six feet away from where we found there's like, they, that they didn't, they didn't strike out in that. They seemed to be like, I'm just hunkered. Yeah. Yeah. Here feeding. They didn't seem to shuffle. Yeah. And that, and that extreme cold, it was like, they just, they, they, for whatever reason, they seemed to just conserve energy. Yeah. They just seemed like I'm where I'm at. I'm not doing some crazy Mm -hmm. exploration right now in negative, negative 29 degree weather. Yeah. They can't afford to stop eating Mm -hmm. right there. That's cold. Yeah. I remember kind of getting excited for that cold weather and then realizing that it it wasn't helpful. Everything seemed to just just stop. Yeah. I was in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this cold snap, those bulls are gonna have to move all night long. Like they're just going to be in the park and be like, I'm getting to. Greener pastures tonight because it's cold. Yep, but that's not what happened. I think it was by the third, by the third day, I think we saw the last new bull of significance. Yeah, whatever day Weird Al showed up. Yeah. Were Were you ever glassing into the park? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We see, wouldn't we wouldn't pour the coals to it, but we would look in there and see bulls in there. Oh yeah. He saw he I didn't see it, but he saw far and away. Well, he said far and away the biggest bull was was yeah. in a drainage. He Sa- cut, Sam and I. We went up into an area and then, and then he cut down and went down this drain, other drainage down through the park, and he saw a tanker. There was he was with fourteen. He was with thirteen other bulls in there. Yeah, we we walked out. What it was like one o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. And Sam and I, we would only pull up glass if we could see something with our naked eye, pretty much, and we saw twenty bulls. Walking out of there, one group of 14. And yeah, man, like a straight six, 380 class bull in there that just blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. Did you get a little video? No, we didn't get a video of him. We didn't have a spotter with us. But, you know, that big landscape called Yellowstone National Park got in the way of Steve going in there. Mm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, well, I guess to tell me about the one that you did crack in the end. I want to tell you about something different first. Okay. Well, I'll tell you two interesting things. Um, we were the whole time wondering, 
like, like a negative 29. And then the snow was up to the mid middle of your shin. Yeah. Not, I don't want to say, it was, definitely wasn't knee deep snow, it was shin deep snow. And then, and then that was the lowest temperature is negative 29, but there was a, it was always uh, at least negative 10 in the mornings, mm-hmm. cold mornings. And we kept thinking, are the like, what do the grizzly bears do? Like, they got to go. They don't. They're out wandering around, mm-hmm. just freezing their little feet off. Can you imagine what that must feel oh, like? Oh, man. They're out. Freezing their asses. I'm, assume, I'm, I'm, I'm anthropomorphizing. I don't know if they're cold. Just seemed like a bad way I'm to... I'm surprised they weren't uh, in their little dens. You know, they're yeah. going to get back out again later when it warms up. But yeah, they're just out pounding the pavement. Yeah. You guys saw quite a few? No, saw one track and one bear. Just cruising. One day, we're on the highway, and Garrett sees a bunch of where all this kinds of stuff was crossing the road, and he just stops and looks in his headlights, thinking it's all elk tracks, but it's all wolf tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that day, we were going to do a big hike up a drainage and <clears throat> get on that drainage, and wolf tracks just crisscrossing everywhere. But eventually, the wolf tracks all line out, and they're just going down the trail we're on. I mean, it's like it looks like sled dogs it, going on. That it looked trail. like a dog park. Yeah, like just insane amount of tracks. Big old beautiful shit pile. Yeah, pissing on sage bushes. Yeah. You could have got down and ate that piss snow, wolf wolf piss snow. I, I, you could have. <laughs> I seriously thought about. I don't know why you would, but you could. <laughs> I seriously thought about eating that wolf piss snow. I thought about smelling it for the power. Yeah, you mm. might get some kind of power out of it. I yeah. think you would. See what they're lifting their little legs. And we're going, going, going. And I started to get, I just started to be like, we are going to see these because there's a bunch of elk up here. Mm -hmm. We're going to see them. And lo and behold, on a faraway ridge, there they were. Garrett took a poke. Yeah, man. Here's the thing. It's killing me. Well, no, it shouldn't. I had always said to Garrett when we were talking about he's going to come with, I had said, you can, you know, we each had a wolf tape. I'm like, if we see a wolf, it'll, it'll be your crack. And he didn't grab his his precision, his own personal precision long range rifle, mm. which he shoots competitively with. And he knows real well, like an extension of his hand back to your hand again. Yeah, I think the disappointing part about it is uh, I was having an argument with myself walking up the trail about going back because we got on the trail and what it was within 50 yards. We, we were on those tracks again. And I, we're walking up the trail and I'm like, it's the truck's right there. All you got to do is turn around and go grab that gun. But man, I, I've also borrowed my gun to people and have them miss stuff and then blame the gun. Be like, oh no, I was on him. So I don't want to even pull that argument. Like that I used your gun and gun, shot. That gun's been working good for me. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> go there. I think what, um, what eats me the most is just when you've hunted enough and you've shot enough, you think that you can detach from the emotion side of it a little bit where you can be like, no, I probably shouldn't take this shot or I should probably maneuver to get a little closer. Right? You weren't getting any closer. We weren't well, going to no, get unless any closer. You got, unless you shot the one I told you to shoot. Yeah, yeah. maybe if I would have <laughs> listened to you. Um, but I think that's what gets me the most is instead of doing that where I like could detach a little bit, I was just, it was a wolf, man. I've been chasing wolves ever since you could buy a wolf tag. And it was just like, I got to take a, somebody else's gun at a range it's probably a little bit too far and had to, had to do it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, well. 
clean miss. Fun. Very clean miss. Watched him for a long time yep. after that. Yeah, he, he ran <laughs> real well. Yeah, scared him. Yeah. So there's that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Corey, you haven't said a whole hell of a lot. Where are you at on this whole thing? Oh, just still reliving it. I mean, we just got back today. So, yeah. you know, like Garrett said earlier, just coming down from the high. But you've hunted at some, you've, you've guided at some premier elk locations. Yeah. Did it feel different for you? No, it felt very similar. I Did mean, it? passing up. It felt like what it feels like guiding at premier elk locations. Yeah. Passing up world-class, once-in-a-lifetime elk to hopefully see something bigger. And then hopefully keeping those big bulls in your back pocket to come back later. But a lot of times it doesn't pan out like that. Yeah. So did it live up to the hype? Yeah. 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 Good. I mean, if you want to have, uh, yeah. If you want to look at a ton of bulls, mm-hmm. and I do. <laughs> well, I was talking to Jake about that because after, I don't know if you were already showing him pictures. We were getting a lot of pictures, those of us that weren't on the hunt, from Steve being like, how much? How big is this one? Score this one. How yeah, big are the fists yeah, on this yeah. one? Mm-hmm. And I told, I said, Jake probably likes to play this game too. So I don't know if you started. I, no, I roped him into it. Yeah. I started sending him videos. Yeah. And uh, he said that he hunted it like four or five years ago with a buddy had the tag. And he said it was the best hunt ever. They spent like almost 30 days in there. Wow. And just had unbelievable bugling. It's just, some people think that the guarantee is not the 400 inch bull. The guarantee is seeing a lot of bulls. Yeah. Yeah. And to go in there every day and be like, oh, let's just start cow calling and just be almost guaranteed call-in after call-in after call-in. I mean, that's why our buddy Jay likes to hunt on some of these ranches like we're used to guide. It's like, you ain't got to go days without seeing an elk or whatever. It's just like you step out of the truck and sometimes they bugle and the car door shuts, you know? You know what? Uh, you know, Hayden one day said something to me that, that a little bit, it, listen, it was a tremendous blessing. I had a wonderful time. It was crazy to see all those elk. Mm-hmm. But here's a here's an issue. Hayden one day said to me something about um, that he likes to spend his time exploring replicable experiences. Hmm. Meaning, and it's it's like a thing I feel, and he put he put a good word to it. Meaning, you're always looking for like a thing that you can make part of your discipline that you can make part of your annual cycle. Do you know what I mean? The difference between finding a, finding a great fishing spot that you can get to and, and you understand it. It's like, yeah, man, I've over, like, take fishing halibut, okay? I've got 15 years into my little halibut area, and it's a really cool relationship. Right. To have with a place and to be able to, like, grow with it and watch it change and be like, oh, I can't believe we used to always go there. And then we realized one day that if you go over there, it's, or, or if they're not there, go check there because, and you, you establish this whole elaborate interplay mm-hmm. with something over time. Right. And, and you watch the way it changes. So to go and do a once in a lifetime situation. And I feel this every time it happens to me, you're so thankful to do it. But you go do it and you're already nostalgic. You're already like there's nostalgic's not the right word for it. You right away get hit by, oh, <laughs> I can't go do this again. Like mm-hmm. now that I know, it'd be so interesting to go again knowing what I now know. 
That's why Garrett had, I mean, Garrett's never drawn the damn tag, but he had such a good time because he thought when he was there with his grandpa, he'd never get to do it with someone that could, no, no offense to your grandpa, someone that was going to go real fast up the trail. Because mm-hmm. he was, come on, grandpa, come on, grandpa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and we got to go. <laughs> I was way, I, you know, I was so excited when he drew the, that tag, but you're right, having been in there, man, I was a hundred times more excited when you drew it. Cause it was like, I get to go back to this place that I know a little bit about. Yeah. yeah. The thing is though, is it's elk hunting, dude. And it's like what I experienced with my grandpa was very different than what you and I experienced as far as where the elk were, mm-hmm. how the elk moved. And so maybe that's the takeaway is like, yeah, you're not going to go in there and hunt it next year, but you learned more about elk because you had so many encounters with them. That was a, you made that point when, and, and I hadn't even brought up the, the, the feeling I get of doing when I get to go have those really special, like when I drew the toke, the toke doll sheep tag, mm-hmm. it's great. But you're like, man, I wish I could go do that next year. Right. But you'll never do that. You know what I mean? Yep. But you were addressing that when I hadn't even brought it up. And you said, like, I'll tell you one thing, that being here has impacted how I hunt elk and that I'm able to watch so many bulls mm-hmm. relate. They're still elk. Right. Right. They still got to eat. They still got to sleep. They, you know, they, they come out of the timber um, right before dark. They go back into the timber, you know, right at daybreak. And you're like, I got to watch how elk be elk to a degree that, that would take a lifetime to accumulate yeah. that many experiences of watching how bulls be bulls, yep. like what they do. And that's true. It, it, you could go sit there and, and, and then you imagine that you're shrinking it down to where it's a 10th as many, a 20th as many, a 30th mm-hmm. as many, but you still have in your head, like that little timber patch seems like a place yep. that a bull would want to lay Yeah, in this cold, snowy ass weather. And I bet you when he comes out, he's going to do this thing. He's going to do this thing. Yeah, I had an elk hunting buddy telling me that he spends 90% of his time looking at 10% of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's like, we got to see what 10% of the mountain elk live on. The river is a you little do, different. You because I would, I would look, I would, I would make a hobby of trying to be like, why can't I ever find a bull in huge areas? Mm-hmm. And be like, I don't care what you do. You cannot find a bull in a huge area that I would have thought would be loaded with them. Right. They ain't there. Right. Right. And I can tell that because I know where all the ones that are there are. Yep. <laughs> yep. <know>? Yep. <laughs> like no one likes that spot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no elk likes that spot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's not always convenient, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I like this idea of replicable uh, experiences, but I also, for me personally, I like, because uh, I'm with, like, there's nothing better than the second time in a spot. Where you sort sure. of, you got, you were titillated the first time, you're coming in feeling cocky, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. know where they're going to be, I know what that hillside looks like, I know where to look, where not to look. The third time, often, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, and I'm, I'm starting to all of a sudden juggle in my head, like, God, it'd be cool if I was just in a totally different spot mm. and learning new country and just back at ground zero because I enjoy so much just newness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways. The bull we got, there's a lot to talk about. Um, we, Corey spotted it from the highway in a crazy place. Like up in like rock, up in rock pile cliff. Not crazy, but steep enough that you had to tie him off. I saw when uh, you guys were yeah 
chopping him. It was the only deep. reason he didn't go down that whole mountain by himself is he got hung up on his own rack. It was a bull we had seen a couple miles away. Probably a couple miles. Yeah. Yeah. We'd seen it a couple early. miles away. He was very identifiable because he had busted off his... He, he had big... Uh, Big royals, swords, fourths, like really impressive. Like his other times or whatever, but he had these like just freaking narwhal tusks coming out of his uh, fourths. And he had snapped his rack off behind that. So you knew you, you knew who you're looking at. Um, here's where this gets interesting. We had seen three bulls that looked like they had rubbed the hide on their backs. If you had saw it in September, you'd be like, oh, he's been he's been wallowing and has dried mud on his back. But it's not September or October, right? We're in the mid-November. Three of them that have this. And we had talked even about, like, what is going on with that dude's back? Why is he having that problem on his back? Hold that thought. Because it had been a very cold morning, and the sun was just starting to hit the rocks and he was in this cliffy rocky area like you could imagine an area that would have great radiant heat and i don't know how in the hell Corey sees it it was like 500 yards above the road we were going 60 miles an hour too yeah and it's because the sun not not that the trap i mean it's one of the most incredible game spots i've ever seen but he had come out to sun and was sitting broadside up a, by a rock like basking in the sun. Um, stock ass still. Okay. But on his feet, not bedded. Keep in mind this shit with the back stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we turn around and go park at a trailhead. And we figure where we could climb up and do like a ridge to ridge shot. We get up there. He's still there. We have a debate about what's up with that bull? Why is he doing that? And at times he's got his eyes closed and he's got his eyes open. And we're like, he's like basking in the sun. Um, and killed him. We get up there and that stuff on his back, like the hair on his back, you could pull it out in clumps. And he's got a big patch around his mound, around his hump. I later got on the phone with a, with a, a state vet. The bulls we were seeing had mange. Hmm. Oh. And she says hard for him to keep warm. I bet. Oh. It can be bad enough where and he was thin, like a big bo- long body, but but lo- he tasted fine. We ate some last night just cuz we were curious about it. Um hip bones sticking out. Not like r- small back straps. Small back ham, smallish back ham. Just look poor. You know what he looked like? Is like a like a like a milked out dairy cow. That kind of like skeleton here and there. Sure. Even though like a big heavy rack, he had been feeling frisky mm. enough to snap his to be fighting. Like built like like a great rack. Gonna have a rough winter. Ahead. He's not gonna make he, it through the winter. Yeah. No, there's no way. And when I talked to that vet, she said, "I said, well, he was skinny." She said, "We see that." They can't keep warm. Right. Oh. And they don't want to bed down and they're just eating. And it takes so much caloric energy. Um, and and, and what's funny is that, that was his that hide there was frozen. 
like wet and frozen. And she said, they're so hungry. They can't keep warm. He had gone a couple miles. She said, they're just on their feet, eating, eating, but they can't keep up with it. And she said, and, and in a bad winter, it can kill them before they uh. get, it can kill them before they get better. I don't think he was going to live. He didn't have many days left. Poor guy. No way. Hmm. I don't think he was going to live. We saw one once uh, when I lived in Colorado. There was a little batch of bulls. There was, I don't know, three or four of them. They were up above the hill, the house on this hillside. And it was public. We'd watch them every day. And one morning I'm laying in bed and I'm looking at them. And I get my glasses out and I can see that he's got like snow on him. And it just snowed like a little dusting. And I could see that he's like, he's like, bedded but like looks like he's a little leaned over you know and that's like finally went and got the spotter and really looked close i'm like man i think he just perished last night you know like we had been watching the night before and so jennifer and i she was actually prego with our first one and we hike up there real quick brought a saw with us and uh sure enough there he is dead as a doornail and he had that same patch but it wasn't on his mound but it was right on his hip but a Dinner plate size patch. Is that right? And uh, when I talked to the, and it was late. I remember it was my brother-in-law's birthday, which is uh, middle of March. Hmm. And uh, yeah, the warden said, yeah, uh, winter weakens and spring kills. When I talk, I, I, we're bringing a patch that hide. We got in touch with the, the state vet and they want to, we're bringing them a sample of the hide so she can take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, we see it. Um, we've been dealing with it for some years. We see a lot of it. She named three or four places where they see a fair bit of it. Tends to hit old bulls hmm. more than cows. Um, yeah, I I don't know. And what's funny, though, is zip two shots right through the boiler room on him, and he kept his feet for a long time. He wasn't, like, unstrong, mm-hmm. but at that I mean, it's mid-November, man, and he already looks like... Yeah. It's mid-November, and he looked like what you'd expect him to look like in March. Right. He, he wasn't going to make it. He's got wolves to deal with. Yeah, I was going to say, that's an yeah. easy wolf snack there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And hanging out in them rock piles like that, he's going to get cougared. You know, I mean, he's just got a lot... There's like, there's no way that bull is going to be alive in the a, spring. A lot against him. There's yeah, no... I mean, sure. if you're looking at how... And then he's not going to rebuild because it's already... Everything's already covered in snow. That's, yeah, it's he doesn't. Lit. It came so early. Um, we're coming out of weeks of like unseasonably cold weather. I think that I wouldn't be. I mean, people killed a lot of elk this year. I bet a lot of elk are going to die this year. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that we saw three bulls like that, all big bulls. I wonder. We saw that bull down when we first saw yep. him. He was down along the creek, acting weird, acting weird. And then when Corey spotted him, he was way up high. And there was always like an inversion every morning. It seemed like where it was. Way... Oh no, he wasn't acting weird down by the creek. I thought he meant that other bull that had that that had that patch on his home. Oh yeah, that six point that bedded right along the road. Yeah, right yeah, on. he was acting weird. He was in the park. No, yeah, he was in the park. Yeah, he was in the park. But I wonder if he went all the way up high there just to seek warmer temperatures. You know. Yeah. Because down along the creek in the morning was freaking cold. I cut his track. He had been he had been zigzagging up that hill, feeding on you know that some of that some of that snow mm-hmm. was um what's it called when snow melts but doesn't melt? Um, it's what you do when you freeze dry something, like the snow sublimates. Yeah, right. It like goes from a it just vanishes in the sun, and it happens even below freezing. Like it sublimates. I don't know. It bakes it off without. 
without melting it. Like around it, st- it, stuff that it, gets radiant heat. You it know? just evaporates. Yeah, like, like you'll melting. see it around rocks. You'll see it around tree trunks. Yep. Um, he was uh, zigzagging up that, feeding on that grass that was melting mm. away from the from the tree trunks that were getting sunlight. But yeah, he might have been going up there to get warm. I don't know. Something I, I forgot to tell you, because uh, Corey and I talked to the other tag holders last night. Mm-hmm. Um, they had videos of that bull that you killed in daily. And I don't remember the name they had for him, but there was a goofy name because mm-hmm. they had him on their spot. They had filmed or, him in the park. They had filmed yeah. him in the park. And uh, they that he was just acting goofy. Oh, was he? Like they said that he would just like, and they had videos of him. He would just turn around and kick up in the air. It was like spin around, kick up in the air, mm. and then stand there and stare at the ground and then walk a little further. Like when he was walking, he would like, seemed like he was swaying a bunch really? and everything. Yeah, just acting goofy. And oh, I can't remember the name so they weird. had for him, but it was, it was like, they were like, what is up with this You're going to get him tested for CWD? I was just going to ask <laughs> no, that. I, well, I hadn't. I don't, they, I don't think they've had it in there. I mean, I could. I was just going to ask about that. I don't yeah. think that it's I, like talking to the vet about like the hair loss deal. Yeah, and we sat there talking about what was going on with him. Yeah, we contemplated shooting mm-hmm. him because it's like, man, is it? Then we contemplated health? just shooting him for, and then being like, "Hey, we shot a yeah, yeah." Management shooting bull. him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Issue another tag, please. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good with what I got. It's a beautiful elk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's a crazy area. It's a crazy area. I never seen anything like it. I'll never see anything like it. Oh, yeah, you can. You can go to Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> go see. Yeah, just go hang out in Lamar Valley a little bit. Well, sounds like a good hunt. I'm going to start applying again. Yeah, we both know a few people that have drawn with mm-hmm. a lot less points than you drew with. Yeah. What you need to do is hook up with someone that's got 20 points and do a party tag. Sure. Ooh, give me a shout. <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for there. <laughs> Good. Anything else you guys want to tell us about? Any other real highlights? I don't know. It's been fun. Oh, yeah. Epic. Man, if you think going into that like that week of hunting that we did, if everyone still had their tags, that would be a different experience. Oh, oh. boy. Mm. Yeah. You know? Just like constantly running into the other tag holder. Sure. Like I couldn't imagine there being all like all five there at once. It'd be interesting if I'm not saying they should do this, but interesting if you broke it out. You made five chunks of time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I could see in archery season though. There's kind of like the bulls are in one spot right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Archery season, they're, they're probably spread more out. spread out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're in a very confined area. Yeah. No, man, it was, uh, I don't know, it was something. It was interesting. You seem a bit sad or down or something. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And then, you know, and then, and then you do it. And over. It's over. Yeah. yeah. You do it and then it's like, listen, when I drew that tote doll sheep tag, we had a big chunk of time squared up mm-hmm. you know and got a, like a beautiful ram real quick and then i spent five years thinking about if we'd have just run those ridges for 10 days it's just i don't know i don't know 
Like when you when I imagine someday my kids will leave to go off to college and I'll be real sad. And I'll think about when my when I when my buffer hunt was over. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's nice to live in a state like Montana where now we can think about ducks for a little bit and then we got mountain lions coming right on up and before you know it we'll be thinking about turkeys and, and I got spring, youth, yeah, youth, tur- youth turkey at Doug Durns. That's the highlight of my year. That's a replicable, replicable experience. <laughs> Very. No, it's just depressing, man. Because it's like yeah. you, it was like so exciting. Yeah, because you seem, you know, you guys seem a little like. I can't like, go next year. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like Definitely it's all down. part of the thing. It's all part of the experience. I, I've drawn some incredible permits, and it's like I did a cool hunt in Idaho this year. And I was like, dude, if I could just go do that all the time, I would give up everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Corey and I were at the cabin this morning, and uh, we described it as like the day after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sure, man. It's all part of it. It's like, it's exciting to draw it. You're so happy. You do all the research. You find all the people that had it before. You share notes. You're like living for it, you know? And then you pull the trigger. Then all of a sudden you're done. It's <laughs> just like, it's just sad. Not in a bad way. It's just, it's, 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 it's sad in a great way. It's sad in a great way. Okay. It's sad in a great way. It's fun. Well, when oh, I draw the tag, shiny eye. <laughs> when I draw the tag, I'll invite you, Steve. I'll need yeah. a second set of eyes. That's pretty fun, man. You too, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's a little sad. You feel sad for me, Phil? Should we, should we make a musical called I, The Buffer Zone? Ooh. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Musical theater. We could get. Oh, we my. have one guy that can sing and dance. We know that. <laughs> I'll, I'll play the, uh, the uh, park ranger. Who... <laughs> Mr. Ranelli? <laughs> oh, you don't excellent. want to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> rules is rules. <laughs> Oh, I gotta tell you one last thing, man. We got a show so like if I ever it's a new show called Dog Justice. I'll tell you about it some other time. It's a great show concept. My I'm gonna share then with you. Uh, I heard about another uh, new show concept. Uh I was either last night at dinner or uh this morning. My daughter, after uh, we hunted Wisconsin Deer Camp this weekend, uh-huh. and she got to come for the first time and uh she was on a high last night after dinner. She's like, let's play a game of cribbage, you know? I'm like, oh, because she got hooked on cards. <laughs> she, she's been playing cards for a while, but just like, yeah, she was in the in the groove, you know? Was all the guys cool to her, even though she's a girl? Yeah. You were worried cool. about that because the old, you know, oh, yeah. old, old fellers oh, in yeah. deer camp. Yeah. 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 They had to say a few jokes, you know, maybe <laughs> under their breath, you know, or look around before they said something. But no, nah, for the most part, it was it, no, nah, not for the most part. It was all great. But she came at me last night or this morning and was like, I got a new show idea. We got me, Jimmy Ranella. We'll call it The Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Whoa. I love it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> was she the was was Ina the first woman at Deer Camp? Yes, hmm. that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, in s- over fifty years. Holy cow! <laughs> She'll be running it someday. Could be. She'll be running Deer Camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in a hundred years, there might be a guy who's like, "I'm the first guy that's been here in fifty years." Yeah, it's all women. Thanks <laughs> well, coming down, Yanni. Yeah, you're welcome. That was enjoyable. I'm glad I got to hear the story, you yeah, know, full, full story. Full, full, full story. 
so busy these days, we often don't get to swap hunting stories no, man. fully like that. No. Yeah, Steve, I've told you before that my favorite shows are the authors and the archaeologists and the historians. Um, and I usually, you know, sometimes I'll scroll my phone during the hunting stories, but that was a good show. This one was. This one was. Yeah. 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 Are cool. you saying next I bought tickets to your thing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get a car to the door? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order.